Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Puya Renek with One Qubit. Welcome, Puya. How are you doing today? Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. So, Puya, give us a bit about your background and how you got involved in quantum computing. Okay. Of course. Um, so, I started, I did, uh, I have undergrad background in computer science and also in mathematics. Um, after doing my degrees, I graduated and started my graduate studies in mathematics. In my PhD, I was working uh, in relationship between physics and a part of mathematics that is known as algebraic geometry. So the applications of the work that I was doing in my PhD is in uh, mathematical formulation and mathematical formalism for string theory. Um, while I was working on my thesis, I was uh, also getting you know, connected more on my second life, which is uh, my passion about computer science and quantum and, and uh, information theory and algorithms. Uh, and that's when I started doing an internship with the company I worked with, OneCubit. Um, in OneCubit, I started working on the, sort of like the existing and near-term uh, devices and prototypes that are coming out in, in quantum computing. Uh, and that's a very, very exciting. That was very exciting for me. Um, and so I, I continued working with OneCubit on uh, developing quantum methods and quantum algorithms. Uh, after that, I started working as a postdoc researcher in 
University of Waterloo in Institute for Quantum Computing and also uh, in the Department of Physics and Astronomy um, in, uh, you know, more, more, more specifically in quantum information science. So, so that's how, that's the journey I took towards quantum information science and quantum algorithms. Oh, very good. So what is uh, one qubit specifically focused on right now? Of course. Uh, so one qubit is a company that was built, uh, I believe, in 2012, and uh, the focus of the company is is the software side of, of quantum computing and the emerging technology in quantum computation. Um, so we work on uh, connecting the challenging industry problems of today to the sort of like the textbook quantum algorithms that exist, and also to the coming devices understanding what are the strengths and weaknesses of the experimental prototypes that are being built right now. And if, if at the state they are, they could be relevant to the industry problems of our clients, or if not, at what point in future would the industries, would different industries care about quantum computation and would like to uh, do any switches uh, from the algorithms they use today to what would be the future of, uh, of their industry. Yeah. How do algorithms work with uh, quantum computing compared to uh, you know, standard computing that we have today? What are the, the differences and what are the advantages of the quantum, uh, quantum computing aspect? Yeah, so I think what is uh, usually told as, uh, as a way to understand what quantum computers do and where the strength of a quantum computer comes from is explaining what a superposition is. Um, so in a classical computer, you, you have uh, some amount of data, and the algorithm would manipulate that data. Um, oftentimes, your algorithm is trying to solve an out of a, a problem where the answer to the problem is one out of many, many possible configurations of your data, which is sitting in the memory. Um, and the way, uh, the way quantum computers work is that instead of the manipulation being on one out of the many possibilities, the, the operations that you do are on a superposition of this data, where the data is with different probability is taking values in one of the exponentially many possibilities. So, um, so the, the, the quantum algorithm takes advantage of not having to look at a single configuration, single solution, and testing that solution, but to be able to do operations on the superposition of all of them. Okay. What, what kind of implications does that have in the near term for computing? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so one of the near term applications of quantum computing that is, or, or at least what is perceived to be one of the near-term applications um, is called quantum chemistry. Um, so in, uh, and, and quantum chemistry is actually very close to the original motivations of Richard Feynman for proposing a computing device that is actually quantum affected. Uh, quantum chemistry deals about, uh, you know, works about uh, simulating molecules, simulating uh, phenomena in, in, in the nature around us that uh, you actually need to incorporate the effect of quantum mechanics in, in what you're trying to, what the equation of motion you're trying to solve or what you're trying to predict. Now, this is actually a very hard problem. There are many, many molecules that we like to study and they're not too big. 
but it would take the age of the universe to be able to solve the Schrodinger equation for those systems. So the idea is to use the quantum computer to simulate this uh, naturally quantum system. And the reason this is useful is uh, answers we can get from studying quantum chemistry can be used in many applications, for example, pharmaceutical industry, in catalyst design, in anything that has to do with all the chemical reactions that industries use. And it can help us uh, optimize the processes that these chemical reactions uh, uh, comprise of. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the quantum mechanics side of things, and it, it's interesting to think about the implications of of uh, that that sort of computing or that that sort of uh, way of looking at at uh, at problems that we have today and actually integrating that into into society. It seems like everything has been theoretical, and now with the, the quantum computing aspect, um, now we're we're looking at real life applications. That is true. So quantum physics has uh, has passed many many tests that were theoretically predicted. Um, some of them are. You know, when, when you study quantum mechanics, very soon it starts getting involved in the concept of information, and and uh, you know you learn more about information science in a quantum mechanics course, and you learn quantum mechanics in a quantum computation course. And the reason for that is the notion of information and quantum physics are very very entangled. So uh, scientists took a very natural path from theorizing quantum physics, as you said to understanding the information theoretic impacts of being able to have control over a quantum device. And, uh, and you know, part of the job that people who work on quantum algorithms uh, uh, consist of is, is understanding how to, how to manipulate the device so that it can solve a hard problem. So let's talk about some of these devices. What, what are some of the devices that we're seeing out there right now, and what kind of stages are they in, and what, what are maybe some, some problems to overcome in their development? Yes, of course. So they're, they're actually, so this is actually a very ending era where there are like many proposals of how to build a quantum bit, which is called a qubit, and also how to build a many qubit system, which would be early small prototypes of quantum computers. So uh, some of the proposals uh, rely on a paradigm called quantum annealing or quantum adiabatic computation. Uh, the company D-Base Systems, which is also located in Vancouver, uh, works on prototypes of quantum annealers. And um, they have uh, devices that are of about 2,000 qubits at the moment. Uh, other devices are being built by companies such as uh, Google, IBM, uh, Rigetti, IMQ, and uh, and other entities that are maybe institutes in in, uh, in collaboration with different universities as well. Um, there is uh, there the focus of these other devices are what is called quantum circuit model, which is closer to uh, what was you know what was originally predicted to be the way a quantum computer would look like. So these computers would consist of uh, the quantum analog of what the digital circuits are. These, uh, these operations are called quantum gates. So quantum gates are 
parts of the algorithm. So you would program how and which gates you would apply to the qubits. The prototypes that exist uh, to date are uh, of up to 72 qubits. So that was announced uh, around a month ago by Google, and it's being tested at the moment. There are devices of uh, 17 and 49 qubits uh, built by Intel, and they're being uh, tested in uh, TU Delft in Netherlands. Um, there is, a, I believe, a 12, a 20, and a 50 qubit computer that is built by IBM. And I think another 12 or 19 qubit, I think a 19 qubit uh, computer that is built by Rigetti System. Very good. There's also the uh, there's also the another technology that builds uh, builds qubits from using what is called ion traps, and and that's also a very promising path. And the company INQ uh, has uh, prototypes of computers with these uh, with these qubits. What are some of the promises that that uh, ion traps kind of have for the future? Um, so so ion traps. Uh, the nice thing about uh, about them is that because they're using photonics and sort of like laser technology, um, the gates that you can do between the qubits are, uh, you know, you have more flexibility be- uh, for creating gates between qubits. In superconducting qubits, which uh, IBM, Google, Rigetti, uh, and Intel work on, uh, well, actually not Intel, IBM, Rigetti, and Google work on, uh, they, uh, they are using solid-state uh, physics. So the qubits are made from superconducting material. And, uh, and the challenge would be that you can create gates only between the near, nearby qubits. In ion, in ion traps, you can create a gate between every two qubits. So it might be easier to create, you know, if, 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 I, if the people who work on ion traps uh, manage to build larger systems, it might be easier to test some of the algorithms in the near term on ion traps. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting difference. So, looking into um, qubits and just quantum computing in general, let's kind of advance maybe five to ten years from now. What kind of things do you see happening in the field of quantum computing, and what kind of uh, developments do you think that it will have that uh, will affect society? Yes, of course. So, so I think in the next five to ten years, we will see. Um, a very interesting time of some of these some of these devices actually getting to a state where the algorithms that uh, that scientists have designed and predicted would create quantum speed up in the way we do calculations would uh, get to reality. Um, it, it's very interesting for experimentalists uh, to be able to see these algorithms actually working and verifying that the nature can you know, compute faster than what we thought it would. Um, some of the algorithms that maybe in the five to 10 year window would be possible to implement on these devices are, are, the, are the ones that I talked about, the quantum chemistry algorithms, um, maybe also early versions or like limited, um, limited implementations of what would impact machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, lots of the problems in machine learning and artificial intelligence um, consist of very, very challenging optimization problems and very challenging data processing modules. And these are also great candidates for applications of quantum computers. So there's a good chance that, you know, in the 10-year or maybe a little longer than that, we would be able to achieve 
better intelligence in our machine learning and artificial intelligence um, algorithms. What, what kind of implications do you see um, with machine learning being improved in this manner? So machine learning, um, machine learning is already a great job in face recognition, in speech recognition. Um, you know, we use it every day in our cell phone devices. Um, they're helping everything we search and everything we access uh, over the internet. Um, and and these algorithms are still not at the level of human intelligence. So um, when we use our cell phone device. We also we also understand that you know even though it's doing a good job answering some of some of the questions we verbally ask, uh, it could do a better job if it could have a recognition in the level of human intelligence. So so definitely the impact would be our artificial intelligence getting better and better and more powerful, closer to human intelligence. Do you think that there will be a time where um, where it surpasses human intelligence, or do you think that um, the human factor will always still be important. What are your three kind of thoughts on that? So I think I think that's a that's a very challenging question uh, in general for artificial intelligence and and computing science. Um, I wouldn't necessarily predict that quantum computing is is the missing piece of getting to human level intelligence. But I would uh, I would I'm very optimistic about quantum computing being able to help solving some of the, or like reshaping the way the algorithms in artificial intelligence work. So so my prediction is that quantum computers would be able to improve the state of the art in artificial intelligence, but would it be the missing piece for getting to human level intelligence? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, of course, the, you know, alarmists out there that are, you know, very concerned about AI and its implications, um, you know, just in the Hollywood sort of fashion or um, or beyond that. Uh, but seeing those things and how they they help um, help solve real world problems and kind of take us to a, a new part of humanity is is really amazing. And so, in the the quantum computing sense, having the potential to uh, blow the old model essentially out of the water and is is fantastic. That is true, and I think that's one of the exciting premises of quantum computing. Uh, you know, aside from quantum chemistry and quantum simulations, um, machine learning and artificial intelligence is a big focus of quantum computing community. What are some some exciting things on the horizon right now for um, for your company for One Qubit? So One Qubit is uh, is creating very good relationships with uh, with some of the companies that uh, I named and. Um, and you know what we do is uh, is to understand the industry problem really well in different sectors of it, um, in oil and gas, in uh, pharmaceutical, in in material science, in automaking, and uh, try to understand which which of the problems that these industries ha- are having are struggling to solve today are relevant to the devices that we we are studying. So as the number of devices, you know, in, in the past five years of one qubit, we have uh, we have uh, we have worked with D-based systems very closely. Um, as the number of devices in our arsenal grows, uh, we will be able to expand our the solutions we give to the different industries we work with. So it's very interesting to see 
the prototypes that are coming out to be able to experiment and do noise analysis and things like that, and also do early versions of what we think would be disruptive algorithms for our industry partners. Can you kind of can you tell us a little bit more about what your thoughts are for some of those disruptive algorithms? Yeah, so I think I think um, I think definitely good candidates of them are the way, for example, Catalyst Design is working at the moment. Uh, so, so like I said, these algorithms require understanding more than what we know currently about the molecules and and to be able to design molecules with similar or otherwise behavior than the ones that the industries are currently using. Uh, these are often formulated as really hard optimization problems to find what is known as the ground states of these molecules. And, um, you know, achieving that would, uh, achieving solutions to these problems would help the, would help the industries to build better reactions, faster reactions. It will optimize the energy consumption. It will optimize the, the products of these companies. It will also help in designing new drugs for different diseases um, and also in optimizing the processes that industries in general have, um, you know, in their manufacturing lines, in their data processing units. All of these things are, you know, optimization problems that once we, once we find better answers to them, they immediately translate into uh, saving resources and creating better products. So what are, this is kind of raining it back a little bit more, what are some things on the horizon for um, 2018 for 1Qubit? So for 2018, I think, um, yeah, so so we have, uh, we have uh, some, uh, you know, the current projects we have are related to, um, you know, uh, testing some of these algorithms on devices such as uh, IBM and collaborations with uh, Microsoft collaborations with other groups. Um, these are the things that we think will happen hopefully in the near term. And we would be able to we will be able to connect some of our industry partners to uh, to some of these uh, near term devices. Uh, some of the other projects we work on are related to machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, the the projects that we you know in the near term we work on are Known as reinforcement learning algorithms, and the reinforcement learning is is uh, is a framework in which an intelligent agent, or or you know, for example, your computer or a program, learns from experimenting in in its environment, making mistakes, getting rewarded when it's doing good, uh, you know, taking good actions, making good decisions, and optimizing the decisions it is it is making. So, so these are some of the near-term uh, projects that we have, you know, ongoing, and we think we will do a lot of progress on them in the next couple of years. Excellent. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Maybe where people can contact you or find out more about uh, One Qubit. So, I think the best place to find out about One Qubit is the website onecubit.com. Um, you will be able to see the team that we work with. Uh, we have uh, about 60 scientists. In, in one qubit, uh, physicists, mathematicians, computer scientists, um, you will be able to see some of the work we're doing in terms of, you know, in format of white papers and also in, in terms of academic papers that the company publishes. 
you will be able to also see some of these applications that we just uh, discussed and, and uh, what are the focuses of the company. Um, yeah. Excellent. Huya, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Huya Ranak with OneCubit.com. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.